Um, thank you everyone for your patience and uh, your ability to, uh, thank you, Lori, for your ability to think on your feet. Um, so yeah, good evening and happy new year. As of late, people like to use the Okay. What's one more technical difficulty? Okay. As of late, people like to use the turning of a new year to declare a death to the previous year and all of its turmoil and pain. More traditionally, this time of year, this is the time of year that people uh, make resolutions and declare that all the ills of yesteryear are behind them and resolve to ensure that the new year will bring joy, health, prosperity, and peace. I've always been unconvinced to take up this mode of thinking. Um, sure, I must admit that if I attend a New Year's Eve party, I will typically find myself a couple of spotted cows deep, uh, yelling some sort of profanity at the prior year along with everyone else. I am reluctant, though, to believe that these declarations of partygoers in various states of inebriation bear any resemblance to reality. How can the arbitrary date the world chooses to change calendars from one arbitrary year to another arbitrary year have any material effect on our physical lives? After all, viruses do not seem to care much about whether the calendar says 2022 or 2023. The agents of war may hit some mental wall or breakthrough when calendars change dates, but the underlying motivations for said wars remain unchanged. More locally, the turning of a calendar has little bearing on how well or how poorly we relate to our coworkers, friends, or family. The only things that materially change are whatever legal or man-made changes that we have arbitrarily assigned to our arbitrary dates and years on calendars. And so I generally maintain a somewhat cynical attitude, <clears throat> cynical attitude toward the New Year's holiday. Furthermore, I wasn't initially convinced to use today's theme from the worship leader resources, which was Quote, we live in the in-between. Christ has brought restoration and the world still cries out to be restored. These two truths do not cancel each other out but coexist, end quote. At first reading, this passage seems to say, we should claim that these two contradictory things are true and just not worry about the fact that they are contradictory. However, this interpretation gives way to a different one upon further examination of today's scripture. The passage from Isaiah is short, so I will go ahead and reread it for all of you. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior in all their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. 
He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. This passage refers specifically to when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He took them out of slavery and, well, not restoring them to exactly their state prior to their time in Egypt, he restored them as a nation in the land of their ancestors. Then the Israelites sinned, fell out of God's favor, and were conquered and exiled. But once again, God restored them back to their homeland as a distinct people with a distinct practice of faith. Um, this account is highly simplified for the sake of uh, time and attention. Turning to the passage in Hebrews, we reflect on the importance of how Christ became human like us, specifically in the first verse of the passage. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist in bringing, bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. I love this reference to Jesus as the pioneer of salvation, made perfect through suffering. This passage seems to say that God didn't see fit to simply magic away our sin and struggle. Instead, he came to go ahead of us all as a guide, showing us a better way of life, casting out demons through his love, power, and example. And then Jesus died for our salvation and rose again in an incredible demonstration of restoration. And now we as individuals and the church as a whole continue to experience cycles of hardship, brokenness, failing, or a combination of two or all three of these, and then come back to Jesus for restoration. Restoration in the Bible tends not to be a one-and-done endeavor. And while Jesus' death on the cross dramatically changed the way we relate to God and seek restoration, it didn't take away the reasons we seek restoration or eliminate them. Maybe the reason why we see both restoration and cries for restoration is in the world around us isn't because we exist in some sort of wibbly wobbly timey-wimey metaphysical limbo rather jesus showed us how to seek restoration in our own trials and help those around us in restoration we exist all of us in various station of various very states of brokenness and restoration. And that's why we see both of them together. The early church showed us that we go through cycles of being persecuted and being free to live fully, that empires rise and fall and that God can work through us, not to turn back the clock and restore to something that existed in the past, but to something new something familiar enough to demonstrate God's restoration. And wherever we are in our lives, in peace or conflict, in struggle or prosperity, we can take joy in God's restoring power and practice peace and justice by working to restore each other and the world around us. And Psalm 35 verse 5 reminds us that though we may find ourselves in a sorrowful night, we can be hopeful that God's joy will come in the morning. Which brings me to a bit of a tangent here. It's okay to be sorrowful in the sorrowful night. 
It's okay to cry out when we need restoration. A part of restoration is to experience and appreciate the brokenness that comes before us, before it. In fact, I find it difficult to really appreciate healing without first truly understanding the pain that came before it, such as the death of a loved one or a fractured relationship. Restoration does not exist without a broken prior state. And it is that brokenness that allows restoration to take hold. To visualize this restoration, I looked in the mirror and reflected on two small splotchy scars uh, that I have on my forehead. Um, I got them from a car accident shortly before I turned nine. Um, uh, one above each eyebrow. The one above my right eyebrow here is still visible. Um, if I don't know, maybe you've noticed it, probably not. My hair tends to come kind of down over my forehead, but uh, it is very much there and very much visible. Uh, but I can mostly only feel the scar on my left eyebrow. However, when I looked in the mirror, I noticed a thin straight scar in the same spot as the small splotchy one over my left eyebrow. Part of growing up on a farm is being as active as I was growing up uh, <laughs> meant that uh, I noticed, it means that I noticed scars from time to time and don't remember where they came from. Um, this is no exception. <laughs> I experienced a small injury to my skin in the accident, and then it scarred over and healed leaving a permanent mark. Um, one that isn't necessarily seen anymore, but can definitely be felt if I run my finger over it. And then the same skin got injured again. And then it scarred over again and left a permanent mark. I felt pain and my skin lost some of its function each time. And each time my skin regained its function, though it was permanently changed. Perhaps the reason we celebrate New Year's isn't because we think there is some special significance that makes December 31st and January 1st more different than from each other than, say, July 14th and 15th. Rather, it's a reminder. There was a January before in 2022. There is a January now in 2023. And there will be a January in 2024. There is pain and brokenness in the past, there is pain and brokenness now, and there will probably be pain and brokenness in the future. But God has shown us how pain and brokenness have been restored in the past, how pain and brokenness are restored today, and how through Christ's example, we can bring about restoration in the days to come.